0: I know I'm not ready. I know uh, I've I've got to change a lot of things in my mi- in my mind, the way I think, my mentalities, the way my life is uh, uh, lived out. I just have so much preparing to do for what it really looks like for for the harvest to come into the church. Um, I don't think any of us really have a full understanding of what it's l- what it will look like because it just hasn't happened yet. And God um, does new things, and it could it look it could look. Pretty crazy, or it could look like it has in the past. We don't know. Um, so, but basically, the last uh, few weeks back when I was talking, I went into uh, at the very least revival will look like what it looked like in Acts two forty two, right? It it looks like, but not limited to, but at least according to Scripture, devoting ourselves to meeting in homes, eating together, fellowship giving ourselves to the teaching of scripture, prayer, hospitality, love for one another. Um, And again, I'm not saying it can't look a certain way, like a tent, right? Um, But it looked a certain way when the church was born. And um, you all know my heart, like I'm not bashing uh, tent meetings or anything like that. And I'm not bashing moves of the spirit, but uh, my heart is to do at least what they were doing when the church was born, when when the sp- spirit was poured out in the upper room, and then boom, three thousand people were added to the church in a day, and that's what they were doing. So let's try and at least repli- not replicate, but just do what they were doing in the early church, and w- and as the spirit moves, we'll flow with that. But I want my heart to be postured where I'm like looking at scripture and saying, okay, uh, at the very least, I want to be doing these things to prepare for what God's going to do, right? So, um, and by and large, uh, speaking of revival and the harvest, um, something I was thinking about is uh, the church as a whole, by and large, in America has lost its credibility. Um, and I think a lot of reasons for uh, this, and you kind of see where I'm going with, with this train of thought, but um there's a church that is crying out for revival, and I'm not pointing fingers, I'm just saying, by and large, there's a church that's asking for revival that holds to a form of godliness but has no power, It denies the power, and, and the apostles say to don't even associate with those people that are holding to a form of godliness, a, a, a form, but are denying the power of God, denying the power of transformation, Um, their, their church looks like a business model. It's a, you know, looked at as a nonprofit organization, a humanitarian NGO. Um, it's just a a social club that does cool, good things for the world, right? It's like the Peace Corps, basically. Um, and there's the extremes that have really turned people off from the church. And this is what happened to me as a kid. There's, there's these extremes of like extreme legalism and rules and fear, and then there's other this other extreme of where the, chari- like the full charismatic, like all Holy Ghosts, like want to feel something but have no uh, grounding in the word, right? There it's, there's these extremes that I, I particularly have a real burden for those people that are turned off by the church because of extremes. So you'll hear me talking a lot about like. You know, I, 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 I make statements, like, directed at those type of extremes. In my case, it was the, the charismatics who loved, they loved Jesus, but they were all about just getting a feeling and speaking in tongues and w- having a flag team and no transformation in their lives or community. And I was like, ugh, this looks weird, and there's, like, why? Why am I going to try and be like these people voluntarily? Like, they loved Jesus, absolutely, and they loved me a lot. Um, But there there was this piece missing of, like, transformation and being grounded in truth. Um, So those are are just a couple things that I believe um, has turned uh, unbelievers off to the church, uh, particularly in the West. Um, And what they have not experienced are true laborers who love the lost, right? In Matthew 9.36, Jesus, he saw the crowds... He was moved with compassion and pity for them because they were dispirited and in distress like sheep without a shepherd. Those are the, That's the, the spirit of, of believers that I believe the world has not seen as a whole from the church. Um, and to express that in community, right? Like everything we talk about and teach is all in the context of community, the church being central to God's plan. And I believe unbelievers have really not experienced... In general, the church being those laborers who are dedicating their lives to uh, preparing for harvest to come in, or or reaching the lost, or being Jesus in that scripture where He was moved with compassion for those people in the lost. Um, So, and they have also not experienced, like I was saying, the truth being proclaimed in love. that scripture dwelling in our hearts married with the love of God that we can only get through revelation it's it's the balance right it's the love of experiencing the love of God for ourselves through revelation um, so that our lives are transformed and then the meditating in scripture so we're grounded in truth um, so we have both we have the balance we're able to speak truth directly to the world and its issues and be completely loving at the same time when Jesus spoke to people uh, who was offended right the religious people not the unbelievers the unbelievers were like I'm convicted to the heart I'm cut to the heart give me what you have the religious yeah tell me more what is this kingdom of God you speak of and the religious leaders just scoffed at him right so and Jesus did not mince words especially with them and um, so it's the balance, the, the unbelievers have not experienced this balance um, of truth and love. And again, I'm talking about the church as a whole. There are certainly remnants, our community included, that are, that are walking this stuff out um, in pockets all over the place. Um, and another thing I believe that unbelievers have not experienced by and large is local church communities who are living out the teachings of Jesus in the apostles. Matthew 5, 6, 7, Romans 12, Ephesians 5, um, and all those things have nothing to do with an, an encounter, a spiritual encounter, right? They have nothing to do with laying on my face on the ground and saying, oh, speaking in tongues and, and this crazy, awesome feeling that we get inside sometimes. Um, those scriptures are talking to practical ways of living and not just coming through the doors to experience uh, uh, an encounter with Jesus. Um, Jesus says in that scripture, and we're going to go to Matthew 9 here. Jesus says it requires laborers and workers, right? We can't wait for people to walk through the doors of this building or, you know, think of it like when they were in houses. uh, People were, I mean, they were in different type of communities and culture at that time. But think of our houses these days. We're going to be at home. No one's just going to walk through the door of our house, right? They might for a church because that's just... The culture we live in, we have buildings and church buildings, and people come in and visit whatever they you know want to do. But if we start like meeting in houses and we have our we start with like home groups or whatever, people aren't just gonna walk off the street right into our house, right? That's not gonna that's just not gonna happen. We fortunately use Sunday mornings as kind of a net, right, for people to come in, and we can minister th- to them here. But um, it's gonna require laborers and workers to go out. To the harvest, so in Matthew nine, uh, verse thirty-six, he's sa- he's talking uh, to the disciples. He sa- and the scripture says, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion and pity for them because they were dispirited and distressed, like sheep without a shepherd. He's quoting Zechariah ten two there, and then he said to his disciples, "The harvest is indeed plentiful, but the laborers are few." so pray to the Lord of the harvest and send out workers and laborers into his harvest, right? He doesn't say, so pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out, to uh, wait for people to come through our doors. Just just sit in the church and wait, right? No, he says, go out into the harvest, into the fields. Um, And then another scripture where he talks about the laborers is John 4, verse 35. He says, do you... Not say it is still four months until the harvest comes, right? We're like, we're waiting. We're waiting for harvest to come. We're waiting for harvest to come. And Jesus says, look, I say to you, raise your eyes and look at the fields. They are al- already white for harvest. They are white for harvest. They're ready. They were, it was ready when Jesus was on the earth. It's ready now. There's a harvest to be, uh, to be reaped. Already the reaper is receiving his wages and he's gathering fruit for eternal life so that he who plants and he who reaps may rejoice together. So there's different types of laborers, right? For in this case, the saying is true. One person sows and another reaps. There's laborers that sow, have sowed for years. Think about our region. There's people that have lived here for years. Stu, uh, Paul, um, I know Phil and Sue, Kale, Joe, they all have been laboring for years and years and years in this region, sowing, right? Sowing and sowing and sowing. That's one type of labor, But then we have another type of laborer that comes in and gets to rejoice with the person who sows, who reaps. Jesus says, I sent you to reap a crop for which you have not worked. Others have worked for you and have been privileged to reap the results of their work. So we have the, the reaper, the one who who gets to experience the harvest, right, reaping the harvest. And that's where I believe we're at right now. That we, We're not to not sow seeds still, but there's been... Seeds sown for years and years and years, and the Lord's saying, now it's time to reap, so let's prepare. Let's be laborers that go out to the harvest and reap. So, laborers, right? Like, what is a laborer, um, and what is the difference between that and a volunteer, okay? This is where I'm going to go. I'm volunteer, I'm not talking about volunteer in the verb tense of the word because even in scripture it says Psalm 110 says your people will volunteer on the day of your power right the verb talking about the noun volunteer is a person who voluntarily undertakes or expresses a willingness to undertake a service right basically they're willing to help when they can this is a volunteer in the noun sense of the word like I'm a volunteer I'll go help out with food pantry I'll go help out uh, clean the church. I'll do this and that, if I have time, if I can do it, if my life permits it. A laborer, on the un- other hand, is one who is sent, driven by vision and faith. A laborer is a. Dis- this is a biblical definition right here. A laborer is a disciple actively involved in the process of evangelizing the lost and/or establishing the saved. So we want to be laborers, right? The wor- what is a labor, exactly? And the Greek word says it's ergates. Um, and of the 15 times this word is used in the New Testament, 11 are relating to harvesting. So a labor we can gather 11 out of 15 times in the New Testament used uh, in is involving harvesting. So we can assume that a labor is involved in harvesting most of the time. Um, and the basic term means to work. Uh, and it denotes action or active zeal in contrast to useless busyness. So Jesus asked for laborers, not volunteers, right? He says the, the harvest is plentiful. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send volunteers. No. No. I decided I'm going to start switching out words in scripture and see if anyone catches it. I did it last time, and I'm doing it today. All right. Um, and then, and then uh, so, as I said, it, a labor is sent, vision, b- driven by vision and faith. Um, so we're talking about vision. Vision is, in, in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, when there is no clear prophetic vision, this is actually the the Passion Translation just to convey the, um, specific how I want to convey it. When there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. <laughs> That's good. Um, so vision, we want to be driven by vision as laborers, right? And it says driven by vision and faith. And vision is based on... Uh, Generally what we can what we can imagine possible based on our own thoughts and capacities right when we have vision for something I've got vision for XYZ in my life, and it's based on my own Thoughts of what my own capacities are what my own thoughts are what I can come up with in my own mind right like we can formulate thoughts and purpose in our lives based on what what we have capacity for But then when we couple that with faith, faith is based on what God has promised to do, is based on what God has imagined as possible, which is mind-blowing. We can't even imagine what the thoughts of God are, what his imagination is like. Um, It is based on what God has imagined as possible and what his power alone can accomplish. Right. So we're co-laboring with Jesus with vision and faith. We're setting our vision on uh, things we have our own, we have what we can imagine happening, like can you imagine the harvest, what we can imagine our own minds looks like, very natural thinking, but then we couple that with faith, which God says he'll do. Sa- you know, he said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, that there'll be a, there'll be a harvest of souls. Um, and we've, I think we very much believe that there is a harvest coming uh, before Jesus returns. There will be an in-gathering of people uh, to the church, Um, before Jesus returns, and that's what we're laboring for. Um, So we are co-laboring with Jesus. We're not co-volunteering with Jesus, right? We are not volunteering. Um, Volunteers are what, like, the Peace Corps does and what the military does. Those people are volunteers. They're volunteering uh, for a cause. The church, we are laborers, okay? Even think about food pantry or... Carmel days stuff our church is involved in we're laboring right they we may think of our think of it as we're volunteering for a certain thing but we are truly laboring because it's what we're called to do what's what scripture teaches is for the church to go out and be a light let your light shine before men and it's laboring it's it's really laboring so I want to want people to think that way in in our minds like that it's not just some flippant volunteer thing like hey i got time for this and doing it. it's like no i'm laboring for the kingdom i'm doing what god's called me to do Um, and that's the next question what has he called you to do to labor for in this season we we have to pray and find out it requires prayer jesus said to pray to the lord of the harvest so that he'll send out laborers right What has he called us to do in this season? What has he called us to labor for in this season? I know many people in our body have vision for things, what they believe God has called them to do and to labor for. I know that everyone has at least a thought of like, man, I really wish I could just do this for the kingdom, or I wish I could be used in this particular way. And that's because God, God designed us all a certain way with desires and skills and talents and like Britzy said last week, like we have been created, we are workmanship of his hand, and play your note, right? Play your note in in seeking out what God has designed you to labor for in this season, you know? and, And he said, if you try and do your own thing, you will be frustrated with life because you are fighting against what God has designed for you to do. You know, and that, that struck me. I'm like, man, that's so true. Like, if you're, su- if you're submitted to the Lord and giving your life to him as Lord of your life, and then you're trying to do your own thing, there's this tension, and you're just going to get frustrated with life because you're not truly, you're submitting in word and not action, um, which, is what, which is what God wants. He requires it. He requires us to submit um, our lives and to labor with him uh, in action and not just um, with our mouths. And we won't have vision and faith without abiding in the word and in prayer. You know, we touched on uh, being in the word, in in prayer to pray to God. Lord, send me into the harvest. Let me be a laborer. How does that look in my life? Let me pray and find out. It requires spending time in prayer, in your own prayer closet. It requires praying with the body um, corporately. Like, what are we to do as laborers? What am I to do? Um someone's FaceTiming me. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh I, know. I I know. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Uh I'm digressing. I <laughs> just wanna find out who it was. I don't know. It could have been Jesus calling, yeah. Um so yeah, re- yeah, requires prayer. Uh and it also vision having vision and faith also requires abiding in the word, right? Um it requires uh <laughs> what is going? Yeah, no, I need to do Oh, Christy says oops. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Hi, Christy. Uh, uh, She really wants to, up close, she wants to be able to hear the word. <laughs> um, Lord, come back. We must dwell, we must abide in the word to have vision and faith, right? We need prayer to hear what the Lord has is calling us to labor for uh, in this season. And we need to abide in the word because script- dwelling in scripture, abiding in scripture, Will transform our lives, and when our will becomes what the will of God is, then we'll start to bear fruit, and we'll begin to labor, and we'll see fruit from our lives as well. Um, and that only comes from abiding in Scripture. You can, you cannot, uh, uh, you cannot rely on coming on Sunday morning and worship. You cannot rely on just coming on a Monday night prayer. You need to, and just, and just uh, passively participate. It requires. Um, real uh, laboring in prayer, laboring to dwell in the Word, understand Scripture, um, to meditate on Scripture. Like, oh man, take one Scripture, one verse, and like really break it apart and, and get it inside of you, and that will transform your life. You'll begin to bear fruit because of that. Um, and if you're unsure of where to start, if you're looking how, if you're looking for how to labor. And what it means to be a s- laborer in the Lord—the words—a great place to start, right? I have the—I pr- have this article on here that gives me gives a gave a list of how to uh, do Christian service, right? So I thought the scriptures were great, but I thought it was funny that it was kind of like, a, "Hey, how to make the world a better place?" Um, so we have scriptures like, "Do not withhold good," Proverbs 3:27, uh, lending to the Lord. And these are, again, these are all things on, if you're not sure how to get started with laboring for the harvest, laboring in the kingdom, these are great places to start in the word, right? That's why I was saying we must dwell in the word. We must get it in us because that's going to show us what he means by laboring. So do not withhold good, lending to the Lord. Whoever is kind to the, lo- the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Let your light shine. You are, li- you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Uh, The greatest will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. Uh, Matthew 25, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Mark 10, the son of man did not come to be served, right? Jesus is our example. He came to serve. Um, Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. Uh, A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Acts 20, it's better to give than receive. Romans 12, practice hospitality. Galatians 5, serve one another humbly. Galatians 6, carry each other's burdens. Philippians 2, value others above yourself. Um, Hebrews 13, do not forget to do good. Peter 4, Peter F- First Peter 4, above all, love each other deeply. The list goes on and on and on of how we can labor uh, for the Lord, for the kingdom. Hence, the importance of meditating and abiding in scripture. Um, so our lives are transformed by that. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I believe I touched on all my points, um, but we really uh, want to be laborers right? versus volunteers to shift that mindset of I'm not just volunteering for the kingdom of God to come and just giving up my time when I can. We are laborers. I have vision. I have faith for something, and I'm giving my life uh, for this uh, purpose, and yeah, it's time to to reap so we can rejoice with those who have sown in this region, right? So, yeah, amen. Yeah.
1: That's so good. I think it's such a word for us right now um, in our community and each of us individually because, you know, the church is not a social club or <laughs> any of those things where we just say, hey, you know, if I have time, I'll, I'll help out. or You know, that is such the wrong mindset. It's not how... When we have vision, we run. We can run with vision. We can be targeted. We can be united. And I I just, as he was sharing, I just thought of, like, for everyone here, for ourselves included, you need vision for yourself individually, even if you're married. Because you get, what is God telling me to do? Right? What is he calling me to do? here and in this season. And then what's he calling us to do? What's he calling him to do? What's he calling me to do? What's he calling us to do as a couple? What's he calling us to do as a family? You know, each of those things are very important because what he's called to do is not necessarily what I'm going to be called to do, but we'll have something together we're supposed to do while individually. Does that make sense? So you need to be asking the Lord. It's, yeah, there's, there's purpose in this hour for each of us. And also understanding that, like he said in the beginning, the church is the center of God's plan, okay? That's how he's going to reach the world. That's his, you know, Ephesians 3, like we talk about. It's on display for the principalities. It's the church. You know, we're not doing this individually. We're not just like, hey, I'll do my thing, you do your thing. No, he has a thing. (laughs) God has a plan. It's the church, so then what is the vision for service in the church community uh, or aligned with the, comu- the vision of the church community? I'm not saying just here while we're here together, but as part of what we're doing and what we're laboring after as a community, what's your part here? What's God, why has God brought you here? It's not to just to come sit on a Sunday and hang out and enjoy whatever. That's not why he brought us here, any of us. And every new person that he brings, there's purpose for each person here from the youngest to the oldest. You should have seen Bowen. Monday night, he got up on the mic and was praying at Prayer Furnace. There's stuff happening from the young ones up. God is stirring passion and fire, and that purpose is being released. That's for every single person here. And we've got to, instead of just kind of say, like, go, time is passing quickly. I don't know about you, but I'm like, man, the days are flying by. Don't let them fly by without you knowing what God is calling you to do individually, w- in your marriage, with your family, and in the church community. What is he asking you to give your life to, to labor for with vision? And then if you say, God, I don't have the strength, I don't feel like I can do that, ask him for vision. He will strengthen you with that vision. He it's his spirit that motivates us. That's what Pastor Tom was saying about the, the vision and faith. I love that. Faith is what is like, oh no, it's way beyond what we can do in ourselves. <laughs> Woo-hoo. So whatever he called, I know in my life, God has called me to do things that are way, way, way outside what I can do in my own strength. Don't limit him. Don't limit him in your mind or in your experience. Hey, he uses anybody at any point in time to do extraordinary things so that his glory gets seen. So it's not like, oh, yeah, well, she's able to do that type of stuff. She has the gifting or he has the talent. No, it's, it, he chooses weak people to show his glory. So he say, oh, I can't do this. It's like, perfect. It's probably what he's calling you to do then. So that his glory would be seen through it in your life and in our community. So I really just wanted to emphasize that part. I really encourage everybody to seek the Lord for vision, for clarity. Um, because we're, we're moving full force ahead. And the days are... Uh, Going quicker and quicker, and harvest is here. You know, harvest is here. The hour is here. That's what was released in worship. The hour of the Lord is here. Even as I was singing that, something was punching my gut. Like, oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Help me. Your hour is here. Oh, God, the, the sense of responsibility and urgency and weight and excitement and anticipation for all that is. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to add that.
0: Yeah, I also just want to add real quick um, that we're not talking about just, like, doing spiritual things, right? We're not talking about laboring in the sense where I'm like, I just want to, I need to do something spiritual. Again, it comes back to the practical. Like, I was just thinking about Mike. I just believe that, um, that what you're doing right now in your internship is labor for the kingdom because... Like, you have had 12 weeks to impact all these little kids that may or may not have ever had any experience to a Jesus-loving uh, believer who's who has the, you know, who is so kingdom-focused and, and minded. So if you're thinking, like, oh, man, what, what, am I, what am I supposed to be laboring for? Well, first look at what you're doing already, and are you already laboring? And then change your mentality, think. That I am laboring for that and like so Mike with that and, like and Joe's bit he's called to the business world. Like he's already laboring for that. It's about changing our mindsets to say like Stu's a teacher, like in the school system, he's laboring in the school system where you're at. So it's about starting where you're at right now and then changing your mindset to I'm laboring here in these places and then then let the Lord add to that in in other facets of life and stuff. So wanted to add that piece. So, amen. Lord, Lord of the harvest, we pray to you to send us out, Lord, as laborers to the harvest, not just volunteers to uh, serve when we can, Lord, but as laborers, I pray, and I thank you that we have the privilege to uh, work for you in your kingdom, God. We are working for you, and we will see a great reward. At the end of all things and possibly before the end of all things, God, when you pour out your spirit, when you uh, bring in the harvest, you reap the harvest, Lord, with your sickle, God, I pray that we would see it. Um, but if, if we do not, Lord, which I don't believe will happen, but uh, we will see a great reward uh, when we get to eternity, God, for the work we're doing here, Lord. And I just thank you for each and every one that has such purpose here. Today, Lord, and that is laboring in their lives. I just pray for vision and faith to be married in each one's heart, Lord, and uh, to be given to that in Jesus' name. Amen.